Yep, there's cooking. Are we live? Oh, um, welcome to the December 7th, 2003 Social Service Human Relations Board meeting. Uh, before we start the meeting, I want to make a few announcements. The meeting is being recorded. If a panel member would like to speak, please physically or digitally raise your hand and the chair will acknowledge your request. The chat function has been turned off. If members of the public would like to comment on an item, please digitally raise your hands or email Andre Fairley, and that's A-F-A-I-R-L-E-Y at alamedaca.gov. Comments submitted during the meeting before the conclusion of the public comment section will be read into the record. His email address is also on the meeting's agenda. If you're calling by phone, please email. If you're calling or by, in by phone, please email Mr. Fairley, as we cannot see your, you raising your hand. You can also dial star nine to raise your hand, and we will call on you. Public comments will be limited to three minutes. To clarify, the public has three opportunities for public comments. First, under agenda item four, public comments, Comments from the audience may concern matters either on or not on the agenda, but must deal with matters subject to the jurisdiction of the Social Service Human Relations Board. Second, under each agenda item, there will be an opportunity for public comment on that specific item. Each item follows a format similar to city council meetings. First, after presentation, we will ask if there are any clarifying questions from uh, shrub members for staff. Second, we will ask if there are any public comments on this agenda item. And third, after public comment, we will open the item up for board discussion and a vote if recommended. The final opportunity for public comment is near the end of the meeting under oral communication. The public can comment on a topic not on the agenda. New items may be introduced by local residents under the oral communications. Please note that the board cannot take action on items that are not currently on the agenda. So we will be calling the meeting to order at 7.01 p.m. All right. Is the Facebook started? All right, let's do some uh, roll call. Uh, Bernie Wolf. Here. Cindy Pyle. Here. Dan Yamashiro Omi. Here. Gerald Bryant. Here. Michelle Buckholz. Samantha Green. Here. And Scott Means. Here. I would like to mention that we are joined tonight by city staff um, from the Alameda Fire Department. Oh, no, sorry, from the, um, Dallas Andrews, Fire Captain and Disaster Preparedness Coordinator from Housing and Human Services Department, uh, Lisa Fitz from Community Development Manager, Marcy Johnson, Development Manager, and uh, Andrea Fairley, Management Analyst. And from Base Reu, how do you pronounce that? Re Base, base reuse. Oh, base. Oh, okay. Base reuse and economic development department. Eric Fronstein, development manager. Welcome. So, uh, first order of business number three is a review and approval of minutes for October twenty sixth, two thousand twenty three. And if everyone's had a chance to review, then we can take a motion. Oh, or I think Joe, you want to come? Oh, I was just going to say Facebook. You guys. Turn on Facebook Live. Oh. That's so, not really cool. oh, yeah, sorry. I think someone had a correction to the minutes, too. 
Is that you, Gerald? Yeah, on um, yeah, page three, there's a typographical mistake. And uh, I believe that the minutes we invented instead of invested. So then it should be maybe the state invested. Okay, so I'll put forward a motion to accept the minutes with the one correction of the word invested. So one second. Um, can, oh, can we do a consensus vote since everyone's in the room? Yes. Okay. So um, all, all that approve? Yeah. Aye. 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 Uh, Aye. Any, Aye. I want to abstain. I want to abstain. Um, sorry about this. Okay. I'd also note that uh, the city will, will now be transcribing minutes for all of its boards and commissions in an action item format. So you will see a shorter format going forward initially. So we have non-agenda public comments. Um, <clears throat> if the public would like to comment on any agenda item, please email Andre Fairley. A-F-A-I-R-L-E-Y at alamedaca.gov. Comments submitted during the meeting before the conclusion of the public comment section will be read into the record. His email address is also on the meeting's agenda. If you are calling in by phone, please email Mr. Fairley as we cannot see you raising your hand. You can also call star nine to raise your hand and we will call on you. So the city welcomes speakers providing public comment, but please be advised this is a limited public forum. Comments from the audience may concern matters either on or not on the agenda, but must deal with matters subject to the jurisdiction of the Social Service and Human Relations Board. Comments will be limited to three minutes. Comments concerning matters on the evening's agenda will be heard when that item is called. If speakers fail to follow these rules, they will be warned, and if they continue to disregard the rules, their opportunity to speak will be ended. Um, and if otherwise, if speakers disregard the rules, and will end their opportunity to speak. Um, are there any speakers and comments? Andre, there are no emails or comments in the Zoom. Actually, there's one hand, but it seems good. Oh, Josh wants to give me. Go ahead, Josh. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. My name is Josh Altieri. Um, I'm with the uh, Community Relations Manager with the Housing Authority of the City of Alameda. Appreciate your time this evening. Just wanted to share a couple updates from the Housing Authority. Um, we feel it's related to the Human Relations Board so and the Social Services. So uh, first off, um, we have uh, our emergency housing vouchers back in 2021. The federal government granted public housing authorities the use of these emergency housing vouchers to serve people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness or those fleeing domestic violence. And we were allocated 57 emergency housing vouchers and all 57 of those households have been housed. Uh, we are, uh, it's a great milestone for the agency. And then in a broader effort, broader regional effort together with the housing authority, the County of Alameda, as well as Oakland Housing Authority and Berkeley Housing Authority, overall we secured housing for 875 households. So uh, a real impact here locally in our community. Uh, next, I wanted to share an update about North Housing. Uh, North Housing is our um, 
probably our most ambitious uh, development plan. It's a multi-year commitment for the housing authority to create 586 affordable homes by 2030. Um, and the construction will start early next year and there'll be two phases. The first, the first phase will be uh, Lynette Corner and Estuary One. Lynette Corner will serve uh, 64 senior households and Estuary One will serve as a home, a future home to 45 formerly homeless households. Uh, the Housing Authority will invest $8.6 million of their own funds. We'll also allocate 80 project-based vouchers towards Lynette Corner and Estuary One. Uh, and that total values of uh, operating subsidy is about a million dollars a year. So um, again, trying to help the city in, in, a broad, in, a, in an effort to you know, reduce homelessness here in the city of Alameda. And then lastly, just wanted to touch on some community services. Um, we continue to partner with the Alameda Food Bank as they deliver food weekly to our most vulnerable residents at our largest senior properties, which is Anby Diamond and Independence Plaza. We also wanted to thank the Alameda Recreation and Parks Department for bringing a mobile recreation unit to our largest family property site, which is Esperanza Apartments. It's really about uh, um, engaging the youth at those properties and helping those families overcome barriers, like whether it's financial or transportation in terms of ac accessing after school recreation. So thank you to that Recreation and Parks Department. And then lastly, I want to acknowledge the uh, City of Alameda Housing and Human Services Department staff as we continue to collaborate on providing services to select housing authority residents and program participants. And then um, to, the many to the many organizations not named due to the time constraints, I wanted to extend a sincere thank you and partnership for the services uh, provided to housing authority residents in 2023. So uh, thank you for your time this evening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I have another speaker card, is it for this segment? Yes. Okay. So um, I see we have a speaker card here from um, Mayor Marilyn Ezzi Ashraft. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. I try to come to one of every of our board and commission meetings at least once a year. And I didn't know if I'd been to Shrugs this year, but I looked at the agenda and I said, oh, I wanted to pop in. And of course, I was just on the ACCYF Youth Advocacy Committee, so I got to um, hear, I see some of you then too. But really, the work you do is so important to our city. And just to make sure that people aren't falling through the cracks and you know we know that even in this land of plenty and in the in, you know Alameda where we're quite a middle class community there are still people who are living on the edge and just to help them not slip through the cracks and I just appreciate what you do and you all bring such talent and, and devotion to your mission and so thank you so much for sharing that with our city and I'm just yeah and I might update to the bitter end because my daughter is visiting from a long way away I don't get to see her too often. So <laughs> if I speak out, it's not because I'm ordering you, but uh, thank you again for all your work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any other speakers? Just hit lower hands. No, yeah, lower hands. That's it. All right. Well, seeing no other speakers, that brings us to a regular agenda. So it's item five, five uh, A, which will be a discussion of City of Alameda's disaster preparedness plan. The way we will proceed is first we'll hear a staff presentation, then we'll open to clarifying questions from the board members, then we'll open to public comments, limited to three minutes each, and finally we'll conclude with a board discussion. 
Um, so first presentation by Fire Captain Andrews. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Dallas Andrews, Fire Captain here with the City of Alameda Fire Department. Um, currently assigned as the Disaster Preparedness Coordinator for the Fire Department. And that also comes with the added responsibility of being the emergency manager for the city of Alameda as a whole. Um, and then when we have a emergency declaration by Madam Mayor and or the city manager, uh, then I'm the what's called the EOC duty officer. So I'm the one that's here kind of running, uh, running the minute by minute operations of uh, the staff here in the EOC. Uh, just a little bit about me. Worked for the city for about eight and a half years. Um, started back in 2015 as a firefighter and have been a captain now for uh, going on two and a half years uh, with the fire department. Um, as it relates to uh, disasters and stuff like this, uh, just a couple notable things I've been to in my career. Uh, I was at the uh, campfire. Some of you may remember it back in 2018. Uh, up in uh, Chico, Paradise, uh, Concow area. We got up there about six o'clock in the evening. Um, and we were up there for a total of 18 days. Um, and then most recently, I was here in the EOC uh, for the winter storms uh, earlier this year and very, very tail end of last year. Um, in terms of the fire department as a whole, um, and our experience with disasters, obviously the day-to-day -day stuff, um, here in town, but outside of that, uh, participate in out-of-county mutual aid, uh, through the California master mutual aid program, uh, every summer going to large, uh, fires. Uh, we have members of the fire department who are a part of, uh, the FEMA, FEMA USAR task force number four, which is based out of Oakland. It's kind of staffed by uh, fire agencies all across the East Bay, uh, but we currently have two members that are on that uh, and a couple members that are working on joining uh, that task force as well. Uh, we have members that were at Ground Zero uh, in the hours after, and uh, we have members that were at Katrina and Sandy, uh, Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Sandy. Um, so a little bit about me and the fire department's experience as it relates directly to disasters on the very large scale. Um, next slide, please. All right. So some of the threats to Alameda, uh, this is not limited to these, but everyone knows the earthquake, the, the big one, as, as we all like to call it. Um, that's that's pending here. Uh, who knows when? Uh, the extreme weather, we saw that this year. Um, and the flooding as it ties directly to the weather, uh, but then other options. You know, we we had uh, two water main breaks uh, within the last couple months that we had certain parts of town get flooded uh, just due to water main breaks. Uh, a tsunami, basically uh, any seismic event in the Pacific Ocean could potentially create a tsunami uh, that could impact um, the city, according to the Tsunami Warning Center, our highest risk would be something coming out of uh, the Aleutian Islands uh, up in Alaska. Um, extreme heat. We are here in California, so that is a potential for us. And then the the effects that it's going to have on the at-risk population. Um, you know, we're, we're nice and close to the bay, 
So air conditioning is uh, not as common of a thing around here. So a lot of the homes uh, are cooled just by the natural bay breeze. Um, so the, the extreme heat can have a impact. Drought, where California seems to be going through that um, on an endless cycle. Um, pandemic, we... <laughs> I don't think I need to hit that one very hard. I think we all uh, have experience in that as of recently. And then uh, human-made. So uh, terrorist events, things of that nature um, can can be a threat to Alameda. Uh, we, we also kind of lump in uh, as threats the pre-planned events. So the 4th of July parade that happens every year, you know, we can have incidents within that incident uh, that could be a threat to public safety and the overall safety of both city staff, attendees, community members, residents, everyone. Um, so I got a couple references. Uh, I believe everyone was provided with a copy of the city's emergency operations plan. Um, but the the first one is right on page one. It's the one of the opening paragraphs. Basically says the city of Alameda is dedicated pro to providing an efficient, coordinated response to any disaster that could threaten the well-being and health of its residents or visitors. Uh, so the, the the key phrase there is efficient, coordinated response. That's that's what we do here in this building. Um, the EOC is located right midtown uh, on the fire station number three property, um, basically Grand and Buena Vista. Uh, it's a detached from the fire station, but it's on the same property. Uh, and that's that's where we're theoretically going to be running uh, all operations out of. It's our command post, so to say. Next slide, please. So everything that we do here in the EOC falls underneath uh, the emergency operations plan. Uh, the current version is the March of 2019 version uh, that was ratified and adopted by City Council April 2nd of 2019. We... Uh, are required by law to update that every 10 years. So we're we're getting close to the five-year mark. So about half halfway through its lifespan. Um, and we we start working on it at about the end of year eight. It gives us about a two-year buffer to make all the updates and uh changes, um necessary revisions, things of that nature, get it through the process, make sure all the departments that are affected by it see it, approve it. And then it uh, goes through the council process to get uh, voted on, ratified, and adopted. Next slide, please. Um, so I'm not going to read all these, um, but there's there's three big ones. Uh, these are the the overall goals of the emergency operations plan, as outlined in uh, the entire book. Um, but there there's three big ones. Uh, protect the safety, protect the safety and welfare of residents, employees, and visitors to the city of Alameda. Um, we get a lot of influx of uh, people coming in from Oakland for shopping, for uh, visiting family, things of that nature. Doesn't matter to us. If you're here on our island, your safety is our responsibility. Um, next, uh, about halfway down, Provide for the orderly conversion of pre-designated sites to community shelters when necessary. So uh, we're currently going through with Alameda Unified School District, um, being able to make any of their school sites uh, into shelters. Um, their, their schools have uh, 
some of their schools have gone through uh, a walkthrough and an evaluation by the American Red Cross and have passed. We haven't gotten all the schools yet, but we're working our way through that. Um, basically, the way shelters would work is the city would activate them. We would open them up. We would get them up and running. And then the American Red Cross would come in and uh, long-term run them and maintain them. And then lastly, provide for interface and coordination between the city and other responders, including utilities, agencies, and NGOs, uh, non-government organizations. So that would be your nonprofits, uh, things of that nature. Um, basically, uh, we work with all of our regional partners. Uh, you guys know we're, we're an island. We're literally an island, so we're completely cut off from the mainland. So we're going to need all the help that we can possibly get. However, we can get it onto the island. Um, that's going to be the hard part, but we're going to need help from everybody just because of the nature of us being completely waterlocked. Next slide, please. So two excerpts uh, that I thought would apply to today's discussion. Um, when I was contacted by uh, city staff in regards to this presentation, they, they wanted me to mainly hit on the older population, the senior population and that that area. Um, our EOP and the way we work, we don't necessarily carve out that. We just carve out um, kind of the at-risk population as a whole. So uh, I'm going to, a lot of the stuff I'll say will be kind of umbrella over the at-risk population with the senior population being in there with that. Um, so uh, we, we comply with all of the ADA requirements. We don't deny access to services based on rend, uh, race, color, national origin, sex, age, or handicap. Um, in the initial stages of an emergency and a disaster, the initial priorities are going to be on life-saving operations, public alerting, evacuations, and stabilizing the incident the best we can. Um, so uh, whole community concept, basically that that's something that comes down from FEMA, um, that everyone has access to all of the uh, services provided. Doesn't matter, again, race, color, national origin, sex, age, handicap, anything. If you're here in the community, you have access uh, to those services. Next slide, please. Um, so one of the things that we're actively working on right now that directly ties uh, to this group is our emergency disaster planning database. Uh, we're we're going to go through it. I'm going to show it to everyone. Um, but it's a it's a program that we're currently developing. We're going to roll it out here right around the first of the year. Um, and there, there's a couple key points to it. So it's it's a voluntary program and it's uh, annual enrollment is required. So your enrollment is good from January 1st to December 31st. And I'll, I'll go into why we do that here in a little while. Um, that database will aid, aid the EOC staff in resource ordering and allocation. Um, one thing for us here in the EOC, our, by far our number one um, most difficult thing that we have to do and our number one goal that we're we're shooting for is resource management. We can through the the California Fire Service and through the law enforcement community, we can get a lot of resources here within 48 to 72 hours. That may seem like a long time, but looking big picture, that's that's pretty quick. 
Um, you know, looking at fire season, we're able to get fire engines from Southern California, from LA County, from LA City, from San Diego, up almost to the Oregon border in less than 24 hours. Their only hindrance is the amount of times they have to stop for for uh, fuel. So we're able to get a lot of stuff here. It's managing those resources. And that that's our number one difficulty that we have to master. This database is going to dramatically aid us in that resource management. And you guys will see and understand why when we actually go through the database. Uh, so looking at the at-risk populations that this database is kind of uh, looking to enroll, uh, one of the uh, issues to enrollment that has been identified is uh, lack of ability to enroll. It is a, a digital database. Uh, so what we're we're going to do is at the library and at the Mastic Senior Center, we're going to have uh, some of our CERT members, our uh, community emergency response team, our, our volunteers uh, on site for basically what we're calling office hours. They're going to be there for uh, an hour and a half or so once a month, and people can come, ask questions, get assistance in enrolling, and make sure that uh, they do get their, their information in there. Next slide, please. Um, so a uh, couple more key points. It is a living database. Uh, it It's good from January 1st to December 31st. But say come March, somebody finds out about this, they can apply in March and their, their uh, entry is basically good from that date in March to December 31st. Uh, it's housed in our city's emergency management software. It's called VOC, uh, Virtual EOC. Uh, that's where this software will live. Uh, it can be accessed by public safety EOC staff in the event of a disaster. This information won't be used in you know, day-to-day -day operations of the city, uh, for the fire department, for the police department, for any other EOC staff, it's just going to be for that uh, disaster. Um, like I said, it'll be open year-round, uh, and it'll be, your entry will only be good till the end of the year. Uh, about fall or so, we're shooting for September, with that being National uh, Preparedness Month. Um, we're going to start our messaging campaign and we're going to send out messaging across all of our different platforms that the city has, um, social media, uh, emails, snail mail, um, pamphlets and handouts, everything that we can possibly get this out. We're going to get it out uh, to either get re-enrollments or uh, new enrollments for that, that coming year. Uh, one of the benefits to this is it is uh, completely filterable and Every time somebody enters a new submission, it drops a pin on a map that we can see. So we see on the map where everybody's at, and then we can turn filters on and off, and we can narrow down based on submission entries certain things that we want to look at. Uh, and we'll we'll go over that when we actually look at the um, the submission or the survey form. Um, next slide, please. So before we before we click on the hyperlink here, uh, I want to uh, the other uh, reference that was in the agenda was the AARP um, packet, the Resi Disaster Resiliency Toolkit. If you have that in front of you, if you could turn to page eighteen, and it's uh, strategy number two, 
um, identify where older adults are and how to reach them. And that that's truly where this database is going to come into play and be a huge asset for public safety for the city of Alameda, but also our mutual aid partners coming in. So if we can click on the link and it'll, it will actually take us to the uh, survey. I'm glad I had the only one. I have to take it down. Put it in the chat, Alice, first. Or if you take it as a presentation mode, yeah, that probably would do it. Full screen, the Twitter space. Stop the share. Uh, go to the, the presentation view on the top on the bottom or there you go. That one, yeah. And then just the PowerPoint and then either that or I can share my screen, whatever works. Oh. I think you should share your screen Thank you. Oh, it's disabled. Yeah, make sure he has access to it to change his participant. Yeah. And you email the link to A F A I R L E Y to Andre at alamedaca.gov, please. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I think you could also give him a share. If you just it's set. Now try sharing again. There we go. <laughs> All right. So this this is what the uh, what the database entry will actually or the survey form actually looks like to submit to the database. Um, you know, we we recognize that uh, the at risk population may not be able to do that themselves. So the first question is who is submitting this? Is it you submitting this or somebody submitting it for you? Uh, if it's somebody else, then it's uh, their name of who's doing it, um, date and time of the entry, and then the person's first name and last name, birth date being optional, uh, their gender. We have all of the city recognized uh, gender options in there. Uh, best contact phone number for you, whether that phone number is a cellular telephone or a landline. Through the software, we actually do have the ability to push out messaging to these phone numbers that are provided um, by people. A, a secondary phone number and then an address. Um, with this, if people were to just hit the the uh, target, it's going to put it in as a lat long. The software will process that and drop them on the map and then convert it to a, an address for us. Um, Providing us an email address, basically, that's going to allow us to, through that notification abilities, we can send them an email, text message, and a phone call. Um, but it'll also 
put them uh, on the re-registration uh, list for the following year. And we'll send them the link uh, to register for the 2025 uh, questionnaire. Uh, person's estimated weight in pounds. Um, so this was one of the resource allocation questions that I, I spoke of. Um, you know, some people may, may be taken back by this. They may not like the fact that we're asking that question. Um, but th this is one of those resource allocations that it determines for us here in the EOC, how many fire engines, fire trucks, ambulances do we have to send to this address to assist this person in getting out of their house? Uh, they, they do have the ability just to put zero uh, if they choose. Um, any medical conditions, uh, things like this are going to dictate where we take people, where people go, what type of ambulance uh, they they uh, are provided, whether that be a wheelchair, uh, wheelchair van, um, a BLS ambulance, or an ALS ambulance, or a critical care transport. Um, then their walking ability. So are they able to walk on their own with zero assistance all the way down to are they completely bed bound? Uh, and then are you reliant on any medical devices? Um, things like uh, a ventilator, an LVAD. LVAD's a left ventricular assist device. It's basically a, a battery operated pump that you wear as a satchel uh, that pumps blood for you and basically takes the place of your heart. Well, if, if we have somebody like that, we're going to have to take them they're going to need a critical care transport ambulance, and they're going to have to go to a cardiac receiving facility. So um, like a Highland, a Kaiser Oakland, a Summit, one of those hospitals. And then, you know, uh, uh, listing all those. And then uh, the last one being, uh, if we were to have to move you from your residence, where outside of Alameda would you prefer to go? Uh, obviously, the disclaimer is we can't guarantee that we're going to be able to get you there. Um, we're going to do our best to, but there's no, absolutely no guarantees. Uh, and we will make sure that you're not left in an unsafe location and you'll be left in the care of a responsible party if needed. And then, uh, just an emergency contact name and phone number. And then there's a, a disclaimer, um, basically that just says, you understand that this is voluntary, that annual registration has to occur, and that by registering in this, you do not receive any preferential uh, services from the city of Alameda uh, when it comes to a, a disaster evacuations or mass relocation. Um, that is all I have. I am willing to answer any questions or comments or anything of that nature. Well, thank you, Captain Andrews. Do we have any clarifying questions from the board? Um, thank you for that presentation. It was very, very informative. Um, we, through our community needs assessment, it was noted that 7% of our population speaks no English. So I'm just wondering um, how you're going to address that. Yeah, great question. Um, so our, our software, unfortunately, only uh, does English. There's no there's no other language options available. Uh, what we plan on doing, and uh, the city's IT department is working on it right now. Um, we're going to have a uh, on here. There's going to be a phone number uh, that goes straight to a voicemail. The person will have the ability to leave a voicemail, and uh, then we will basically address each of those um, 
citizens individually based on their needs in terms of uh, translation services, TTY services, things of that nature. Um, we we did something basically the same thing uh, when it came to the vaccine task force uh, for COVID. Uh, we had a, a voicemail that it's still active to this day um, that people could call. Uh, I think it was uh, there was six different languages that the voicemail recording um, read and then they could leave a voicemail and then we would uh, contact that person directly and basically do a one on one uh, service to them based on their uh, verbal needs. Michelle? Um, I noticed this is all individual. Uh, are you doing it by households for especially like households that have minors? How would you register and make sure that was included in your database? So we're, we're not we're not doing it by households. If a, a family of four, say, has uh, a family of four has four in it, there would be four submissions. Uh, basically, we would be able to filter that by address or uh, latitude, long, longitude. You know, if we see um, four people all have an 1809 Grand Street address, then we know, OK, that's that's a family of four. Um, so you so, couldn't have the survey so you could just individually add minors, everyone in the same household. You'd have to individually. You'd have to individually do it. Yeah. And then this is might be silly, but as a fire department in your list of emergencies, you didn't have fire on it. Is that not a concern? <laughs> no, it, it is. Uh, so that that's the, the city's emergency operations plan. Okay. Things that would be uh, the reason to declare a disaster um, for for the fire department. That's listed in uh, fires listed in our mission statement as being something that we um, plan on having to address. I guess you could say. Um, so the the EOP just kind of covers all of the things that would come from a disaster. Do you have specific thresholds for triggering a extreme heat activation? Uh, in terms of the the heat level and or length of time, that sort of thing. Uh, we don't have anything right now. We've definitely looked at it, and it we kind of treat it as a case by case basis based on uh, temperature and duration of the temperature, um, and we that's for both uh, hot and cold temperatures. Uh, we we look at the overall time that it's going to be hot or cold and how hot or cold it's going to be for that long. You mentioned the cert numbers. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there was any information on like, the geographic location of the current numbers and if there was any work that was being done to recruit additional numbers geographically. Um, if that makes any sense. Like I know in Oakland, there's kind of like neighborhood by neighborhood, ensuring that there's like a certain member per neighborhood that they're responsible for their their own, you know, block or whatever. And right. I wondered if we were doing something similar to that in Altina. So we we do have um we do have uh a database of all of our cert members and their addresses. We, that's not public information um that's here in the EOC. Uh in terms of outreach and recruiting new members, so to say. Uh, we have an outreach coordinator that goes to, she goes to a lot of events um, and is always out there with a table 
um, and is constantly doing stuff like that. And then if we have uh, new cert or if we have interested people in joining cert, uh, we start them through the training process and then we, we can connect them with somebody in their neighborhood on their street, um, one street over something like that. Uh, but we don't we don't release the the cert members personal information. You mentioned that there was another document other than the attachment we have for the AARP uh, disaster resilience kit. What's the other document that you would? Uh, it's the actual copy of the emergency operations plan. Okay, um, I never actually saw a copy of that. Is there? Thank you. Okay, and in in the. Uh, copy that I sent, all of the um, quotes that I referenced are highlighted for easy finding, so. Thank you, thank you, sir. Could you tell us, I mean, what do you want the general public to know more of, of how we should be prepared for an emergency? Besides having, like I have the, every time there's a natural disaster, I panic and like make sure I have that bag and, you know, but I'm like, I don't, the, that alert, I was like, where am I supposed to go when we had that earthquake alert on our phones? I was like, what part of the island for the tsunami am I supposed to be? What, what would you want the general public to know? Uh, basically everything you just said. So, <laughs> so my anxiety is very helpful. <laughs> no, uh, be prepared. Um, you know, we're we're like I said earlier, we're completely cut off from the mainland. Um, the the plausibility of us being able to maintain our water supply, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, you know, so having a couple days worth of water for every person uh, in your household, having canned goods. Uh, that have a longer shelf life. So you do have food uh, for a couple days uh, in terms of your actual house. Uh, having, you know, looking at the fire side of it, having that uh, e evacuation plan, that rally point outside of your house, in your front yard, at your tree, something along those lines. Uh, and just just maintaining accountability of your family, you know, knowing knowing where your family's at so that you know, okay, my kids are at school or my kids at soccer practice, whatever be the case, just so that, you know, when, when that does happen, you know where they're at and you can either go get them or you can work on getting uh, reunified with them. Um, in terms of the tsunami stuff, basically, uh, if there is a tsunami alert that comes, we're going to be uh, moving everybody to the middle of the island. Um, basically, the, the rough box um, is Fifth Street to Broadway and uh, San Jose to Pacific. That that that's kind of the box of dry land according to the the inundation studies from the warning center. Um, in terms of earthquake, uh, if we're able to evacuate the island, if the bridges are still up, if the the tubes aren't flooded. We're going to be working on that, just knowing that we're going to be going through um, earthquake-ridden areas to get out of the East Bay. Um, so, Does Alameda have an active CERT program? We do. Yeah, we have, uh, we have just over 300 rostered members. And in terms of active members, uh, I would say we have right around the 180 members. Uh, number 
of active members. Excellent. Yeah, we had uh, our, our cert team gets used by the police department uh, somewhat regularly for missing person searches. Uh, there was there was a recent one uh, over at South Shore Center. And within uh, 20 minutes of PD activating the cert team, we had 24 people either uh, at South Shore or on the way to South Shore. So uh, and these are all community volunteers uh, that just want to help out. And, and did they find the person? <laughs> uh, they did not, but the person was found, yes. Okay, Is that Madam Mayor over there? With yes. The <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sneaking up on me. Yeah. <laughs> Last question on the island perspective, and you were talking about earthquakes. How are, for vulnerable populations, the accessibility? So if we have limited... The, the bridge is closed, especially for a lot of people that don't work in Alameda or away. Do we have, is part of that emergency planning, how are we going to bring people back together who are off island if there is the bridge closure or to closure? Yeah, definitely. So, so part of that is um, the ferry service. So the, the actual um, reason for the ferry is WIDA, which is Waterborne Emergency Transportation Authority. That That is the, the reason for them is moving mass populations in an emergency, um, evacuating the San Francisco Peninsula, evacuating us. You know, in, in this case, we're extremely lucky and we have three ferry terminals yeah. uh, across both islands. And then we also have uh, a fourth ferry terminal, which is actually the maintenance terminal uh, next to the Hornet. Um, so that, that would be how we would be moving, uh, people off the Island, uh, potentially if people need to get back on the Island, but that's also how we're going to be bringing public safety personnel, uh, onto the Island as well, uh, is through that ferry service. If we're not able to, uh, drive. So, and, or for, for fire department staff or city staff, uh, the brand new fire boat that Madam Mayor bought us that we pick up on Friday. <laughs> we have any other clarifying questions? Do you have um, outreach educational resources around emergency preparedness? Uh, we do. Yeah, we can definitely provide that. Okay. Uh, uh, just a, a really good one right off uh, the bat is uh, ready.gov. Um, and that that's a great resource. There's, it, it's actually insane at how many different um, disaster options you can pick from and get resource resources on. I was going through the list and I was like, wow, this is a pretty impressive list. But we can definitely provide resources if it's desired. Well, if we don't have any other questions, and we still have time to to uh, make comments. Um, let's um, ask if any members of the audience uh, have. Is there anyone who has a hand up, or any member of the audience interested? We do not see any emails or questions in the chat. Okay. Um, this item is now open for discussion. Um, I, I I just I want to just start off by by commending you for something. Um, and 
there's different ways of saying it. you can talk about at risk or you know seniors and persons with disabilities or access and functional needs. And we know from Katrina that people in that category were disproportionately affected by a disaster. And I saw a policy up there, but what I think is really special is your, your is the attention to this. Um, for one, actually having office hours at Mastic Center, you know, rather you know, not having like some set like in City Hall from three to six on Tuesday or something, right? It's really important to go where people are. And the second is just the database. Fantastic work on that because you know being prepared is much better than having to react, right? So um, just thank you for your work. Thank you. And do you have any other comments? Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us thank tonight. You. Not a problem. Thank you guys very much, and happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays. Safe travels. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I just want to say how impressed I am by all of you. What great questions and discussion, and um, we're in good hands. By the way, my one of the New Year's resolutions is to do cert training. So okay. if you want to, uh, I think I would be great. Anyway, thank you all so much for what you're doing. Have a college. Bye. 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 All right, let's move to item 5B, which is a discussion of community connection and bringing people together for reasonable discourse. This item was suggested at the end of last meeting under board communications. Um, uh, Mr. Fairley, would, like, uh, would you like to introduce this item and lead the discussion? After that, we'll go directly into public comment. Yes, I uh, during last meeting, this was a non-agenda item, and it was brought up actually by board member Bryant about a concern that uh, Dr. Acker had with um, comments that had surfaced on the internet, and um, there were negative comments about um, what's going on in the Middle East and in Russia, and there was um, some offensive comments that uh, turned sour and kind of had a negative effect on the community. So just wanted to open it up for you guys as board members to uh, discuss if you like and maybe uh, share anything that could promote or uh, advocate for peace within the community as a whole. It was in, yeah, the, uh, the press release is dated 2016. Do you know what prompted it? And what happened afterwards? I do not know what happened afterwards. It's a wonderful thing, but it's almost eight years old. Staff there constantly have some history. <laughs> um, so, as I understand, it, during that time, there was some similar um, uh, uh, anti, um, I think, um, you know, or Islamic phobic. Um, messages and social media. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of uh, attention uh, surrounding. I think it was general elections in 2016. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that was the context of uh, some of the instances and some of the awareness of what was going on nationally and also regionally locally. And so that's what it prompted, I believe, uh, Shrub and the school district coming together on some sort of coordinated uh, response of unity. 
Did the school district develop any programs or plans? Uh, I do not have that knowledge. I know the school district around that time developed certain roundtables and uh, discussions, but I'm not quite sure how related that was to this specific content of that was around the same time. Do you, do you know who ran those roundtables? Uh, um, I know who would know. Okay. So those are still active, and we actually just interfaced with the LGBTQ. Um, Roundtable. So I think some of them, I think they're all managed under Shamar Edwards' umbrella. And then um, some of them are run by staff and some of them are run by community volunteers. And I attended um, I attended one last school year because I get them as a parent. I don't, did you get those emails? Sounds like not yet. <laughs> but uh, I attended one as a parent and the subject was um, they had a panel um, discussing um, how the black individuals are perceived in the community. Mm -hmm. And they also had a white identifying individual who talked about his privilege. Mm -hmm. So I think they're really trying to definitely do parallel work to what Gerald and Diane are working on. Yeah, we did interface with um, Claudia very early on um, mm -hmm. when we were trying to do research on our resolution language. So, there, you know, we do have a little bit of a relationship and we did know about the brown teams. Well, I don't know if this is something in our purview, but I think also my idea is part of that social. I, there's more and more talk of this like epidemic of loneliness yeah. and how that is having both negative mental health, physical effects, and how as a community we can create more opportunities for interconnection, um, interdependence, and, and inclusivity of that you, once you know your neighbors. Um, and I wonder how we can think about like knowing your neighbors or that that connection could come and be part of it that doesn't feel as necessarily as like against haste where it has some of these demographic informations but more of a connectivity increasing the social web of the community um if that is something that's not already being done or how can we like create more space for that in probably more of the loneliness umbrella rather than maybe some I mean I don't think that was what the comment was but how could we expand it so probably more people felt like hey I want to get to know my neighbor might not it might be a little easier entrance than I want to talk about Middle Eastern politics and, and again most of the, the the people that we're talking about are generally going to be in apartment complexes so the idea that you're going to be able to go into that type of a large structure and get to know all the neighbors in that way daunting i mean it, you, you would have to get involvement from the complex themselves to be able to even do something at that level and most of the people who are in these situations i'm not saying all but most of the people who are in these situations they're not uh affluent so the idea that they would get islamophobic rhetoric would be something that they may not be able to say they can address in the same way. It's 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 really tough um, 
and and likewise, anti-Semitic remarks, likewise, the idea that people would hurl rhetoric at, rhetoric at each other or yell out of their car as they're going by at somebody walking down the street. You can't police people's uh, attitudes at that point, but you have to be able to offer some sort of inclusivity within the community. Um, one of the things that we did when we did the poetry slam was one of the, one of the people that uh, Dr. Acker was, was speaking about was actually at the Poetry Slam and got an idea of what it was to have an inclusive community event. And even something as simple as having that, a way to bring people together in, in one accord as opposed to having people saying, oh, well, it has to be a religious group here that has to talk to another religious group. I mean, that's fine if you can have them having constructive conversation in an open forum, or even lessons in civility. I mean, there are people who do trainings for lessons in civility on how to talk to each other. I know it's not as popular as it used to be, but people talk to each other. And how they talk to each other is equally important. And there are people who provide those types of services. Maybe we can have those types of uh, uh, service. I, I don't even call it service, but get-togethers where we would have people be able to do it if it doesn't have to necessarily be town hall fashion, but town halls have a reason for working and, and civility be in a town hall fashion where people could have those conversations is, is a good way to hear people out and this allows people to tell their story, right? I mean, if you're coming there and you want to be in an inclusive environment, that's one thing, but if you're afraid to tell your story because of Hateful rhetoric. Well, I remember Scott invited me to a block party. Was that by the police department or I forget who was the, organizing National Night Out? Yeah, that was night. Yeah, oh, National Night Out. Yeah. yeah. So I, I went to a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I mean, I'm always surprised at how few like neighborhoods do the National Night Out and mm -hmm. the activity in Alameda because that's always surprising to me. Like, I feel like there's a, a lot of events that other communities like really rally behind and like National Night Out is one of them, right? And particularly, I think, in communities that are, where where communities are hardest hit, right? There's like a tendency for people to have, to be more willing to do the National Night Out events mm -hmm. um, or to like stress them, right? Or have the community stress them. Um, I was thinking about like, are there events like that that Alameda's not participating in that we could really like, rally behind like we talked about um the mlk day of service right that's an opportunity for people to come together and have an activity where they get to know their neighbors but they're not right like they're doing something instead of just having a conversation um and then even then my question kind of about that cert was because of the the geographic component of it um my example is is oakland but those the neighborhood cert person they have to know all of their neighbors that are in that. So they have to have accountability for each of those people. Um, and so they know who lives in what house and how many people are there, right? And like, there's some accountability that's there and they know there's somebody that cares about them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, are there things like that where we could connect to existing programming? Right, that might we don't have, yeah, we don't have to reinvent, right, or, or have expertise that we don't have, right? Like, I don't know how to facilitate a conversation around heated topics, right? Um, okay, maybe, 
but not all of them, right? <laughs> but like, like you know what I mean? But I could definitely help to facilitate a day of service or to, if I knew a certain member, to help them connect with other people in my, so like, are there things we could do there? Yeah. And likewise, public awareness campaigns. Again, I think about things like public awareness and put together, we've already said, uh, what, what is it, the, um, Everybody's welcome here in Alameda. It's a public awareness campaign that was done a while ago. I mean, it was a very effective campaign. Can we piggyback off of that or, or, or dust it off and bring it back up for people to see again? Because these are things that... And I, and I think our community is strong, but it, it doesn't have that intergenerational no. aspect. And so it's like even siloed of like the high school, like the high school community is really big, but there it's like trying to find high school babysitters, you know, like, cause there's no, there's a no way whereas toddler parents can meet high school parents. And so how do we facilitate that? But, but see the schools are even, they're honestly, from what I've understood, you know, the schools have these same issues too. The, the rhetoric is there as well. It's not just walking down the street, getting yelled at out of the car. It's microaggressions in the classroom by other classmates. And either these are the topics that are getting left behind because people are afraid to really have these conversations. I'm saying we should try and. There was something called um, like couch conversations or something that um, were around different difficult topics, and they 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 had ways to contain it, like specific questions, and like here's the time limit instead of just a a free for all. I mean, I like that I did start in social, but maybe. Yeah, a way to contain it. So is it just like, let's put people together and talk oh, about it? Yeah, no, no. You, no there have going. to be rules, and that's why I was saying lesson, uh, the, the, the civility idea, the idea of having civility and, and rules about civility when having these kinds of conversations. These are just basic, basic things that we can do to provide the knowledge to people that they are not alone. You're not sitting there by yourself, whether you're in high school or whether you're living in your own place you're not alone if you see all these horrible things on tv you don't have to feel like the end of the world is coming today you have people in your community that care mm -hmm. these are really the things that we should be trying to do i believe as part of the board we should be getting those kinds of messages out and making sure that people get that so just so i think i hear kind of two different things uh, but and, and maybe just clarifying what we want and then i think scott you have a message for before yeah, it's, it's okay. I think there's two different, we're talking about a difficult conversation and kind of dealing with points of contention. And then there's a basic just community connectedness. Uh, I'm proposing more of the the community connectedness is, and I think Sam's like idea of building on other basic infrastructure of just getting to know people rather than having a second, maybe later down we could do more in depth, but more just get to know your neighbors. I, I again, I, I think that um, the the race issue is still something that is clear, and it's if, if kids in school are, are are dealing with it, then they're not the only ones, and so Islamophobia is just as much a part of that as anything else. And same thing goes for anti-Semitism. I'm saying that we should not ignore those. They should be taken on as, as a two-tiered track 
of things that we should be trying to do because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Do we have a list consider that there would be a list of resources, people that put on programs, you can come in and do things because trying to reinvent programs to ground zero is more than a, an odd task. I, mean, I just remember when I was in high school, way back when, there was a group of women who were playing women in different racial backgrounds, focus on American women. And they went and spoke to the high school students about their experiences. And it was something that they did, and it was one of the best things that happened in high school, frankly. You know, and that they were talking about, I think one was a black woman, one was a, a Jewish woman, one was a, a Asian woman, one was a, a Hispanic woman. And they just talked about what it was like to be a woman. And I don't think it would be, I think it would be too difficult to try to invent that, but there must be a list of, of resources. And I don't know exactly where it will look, but I'd be glad to at least try to and see. I was wondering that kind of that same thing, right? Like, are there are there things like that that we could host, right? Like, right. like at the, like the library or something like that, where we could really like, because we had talked to you about, I think you had talked about like an ally training, right? Mm -hmm. That had that happens in the community. Like, are there trainings like that or conversations where people could go and feel like, right? Like they could receive some information. And you remember that came from your meeting with the city of Davis? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I know that at one, one time the Southern Poverty Law Center had programs for school and teaching colleges. Mm -hmm. I did not see those materials, but that's what I'm saying. That is kind of thing. But that's available. Yeah, that would be a good thing. Yeah. To know about. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if the same kind of programming is available at like a community level, right? Well, that's just, it, it just makes sense. Going on communities and actually know how to use that. I think we're, there's something, and I'm so sorry, sorry, that we need to, before those conversations, we need to address the otherness. So, like, part of that is just more, if you start seeing, allies or you start seeing as this is a person and not just whatever identifying factors and i think if we can really think about fostering connection mm -hmm. first and foremost and how do we have a year of connection within alameda so just even at the library board of being like at the end of story time could we have some time where we just everyone goes around and introduces themselves just really enforcing connection in those mild, mild things of once you know someone else's name because of story time they don't you know no one is introducing yourselves or, or at the park and rec how can we say people's name etc i think even starting at that granular level i think could foster a, a, a greater sense of community that then allows you to feel at ease to have the bigger conversation. We did actually receive a, um, a speaker card. Yes, in the midst of our conversation. Let's just pause for a moment and let's hear from Kim Murphy from St. Vincent Paul. So um, I just wanted to say to you that I'm part of the all face community. And we are hosting um, the um, 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 December 12th, we're hosting um, a talk 
about the Middle East and about, and we have everybody who is going to show up, and they're going to give the, the history of, um, mm -hmm. of what's happened and talk it through and open it up to have people ask questions. And we wanted this in a safe format and everything like that. So the community has, they came to the all base community and, and asked us. So it is being done and it, it's on December uh, 12th and it's at five o'clock and it's at Christ Episcopal Church. Okay. And then you're saying alt base? Is that what all you're saying? Faiths. All faiths, okay. All faiths, faiths community. And yes. it's, it's, so it's all the faiths in Alameda. Yeah. So, yeah. 5.30? Yeah, five. at five o'clock. I think there's a Zoom, Zoom linking to it. And and so um, that it's something that uh, part of the all faiths community was, um, very aware that when the menorah was put out, a lot of times when it's put out at um, City Hall, it's desecrated. I don't know if you knew that, but it's we have a history of this yeah. in the city. And so th that is something that we have talked about and that we have, um, they, there was a fear of putting it out here. It had always been because of the desecration, they were putting it out at, um, uh, South Shore instead oh, wow. of at City Hall. Wow. And so that is something that we um, wanted to address is to let you be aware of how it's feeling and how tense it is, and especially for um, our Jewish population right now. They're very, very concerned, and we're hearing it in our meetings. So just to let you know. Thank you. 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 Thank um, you know, about the history of different communities in Alameda so that we can all learn. Uh, so hopefully that'll happen in the next year. And we have a date for you in April, June for the March right in April. Yes. Okay. And we've been meeting with library staff because they want to overlap with housing and human services. They serve a lot of constituents that are unhoused as well as at risk of being unhoused, you know, have access to things like technology. So they're or daytime shelters so they're at the library a lot for services. Um, we asked them for the speaker series. They are asking us to bring resources to the library. And I think um, we have our next meeting is on Tuesday. So we're starting to, and the um, they've given us four Sundays. It's the, the third. Sunday of every month. Okay. Yeah. And they have a budget to provide food that um, we're trying to build out and think about what order we should bring services in. If we should start with like baseline homeless resources, or if we should start with like below market rate housing, you know, and then work our way down because we want word to travel. They're saying they, they anticipate up to 70 people wanting to attend. 
And then in the April date, we reserve for a shrub to intersect and we can plan that out. And I guess the only discussion that I think we should decide on tonight, Scott, is if this work lives within within their work group or if it lives for the whole board. I have a quick question because it seems there's there's dovetailing, right? Of like the connectedness and then like this work, which would be more kind of content focused. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering like if we, particularly because the day of service would come up before our next meeting, mm -hmm. Like, is there a place on our website where if we were to collect organizations that were hosting day of service activities where we could post it on our website for the people, right? Like connect and link in and that we could kind of, maybe Michelle and I could take that on as something that we could work on in the next couple of weeks, like just connecting with organizations that might be willing to host. Yeah. Um, and then we could just create links to it from our website yeah. and publicize that. Yeah, I would have to figure that out. Okay. I think that uh, another place where it can live is ACCYF, their website. Okay. And, and that's more of a central hub that we can just give them that day of service information. There have been a lot of resources that the um, ACCYF has collected and informed the website with. Okay. And I know that ACCYF, the Youth Advocacy Committee, is willing to partner with you for a MLK day okay. of service. Okay. So, and then we did a little um, research on organizations that kind of do trainings around, you know, business and all that. Um, we can just kind of create a resource if we ever are up to, like bringing them in yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I'd be thinking this long term because it's not like any of this yeah. is going to start going away. Yeah. I don't know when people are ready, but I, but I kind of do agree that. Um, you kind of have to establish that kind of connection in order to build trust. And then with that trust, you can have those conversations. Yeah, because without that trust, you know. I'm almost like, this is this is spitballing, but like, how would we think of like the year of connection and reconnecting or knowing you're like, there's something, I think there's something there because we are an island and it's a tight-knit community, but how can we infuse that mm -hmm. in some, I mean, it, it that fits the park and rec, right? You know, like there's a multiple alignment of that. And I think it does address some of the social ills that were seen. Um, as long as it's not being, again, I think it's a, it's absolutely 100% spot on. We should be, this should be a constant refrain that they hear throughout Alameda. We can't yeah. say what they can do in Oakland, but in Alameda, this should be a constant of the frame. They should hear it all the time. This is okay. Not the, well, we don't want your kind here. Yeah. Why are you here? Or any other derogatory comments that, that come. And it's, it's, you know, in the Asian community, when we were back in 2016, there was a lot of focused on the Asian community as we got up into 2020. There was a lot of, so, Scapegoating of people is, is, is very common, and we don't want anybody being scapegoated in the island. We know that there are reasons why people are scapegoated. It's convenient. Uh, but even people who are simply poor are scapegoated, right? So we're we're trying to say this is this is not acceptable. And and we want to make sure that this is something that people hear all the time. The kids should be telling other kids that, not worrying about whether or not somebody else is going to be doing it. 
Well, I agree with Michelle that I feel like there, there are two different kind of traps. Um, like we can continue on the anti hate stuff, which yeah. is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. But Michelle's point around, you know, um, building more social capital, you know, like the region with them in this island is, is also something yeah. that everybody would benefit from. Um, and then if you do like a, uh, you know, like a, what, 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 what were you calling it? Like, know your neighbor. Party. Like a block party. Know your neighbor, block party. But even like the Alameda Strolls activity of like, how could we yeah. even put, that is a very well run thing, but how do we have it where it's like, did you know, or like, I mean, there, there's, there's an infrastructure there of like, but you go with your own people and you walk, you know, and yeah, people don't right. really talk. Right, right. Well, I like um, the umbrella of your connection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like something taking that off that. maybe with the service day and then have what's next ready to go. So you, yeah, you know, see whole, people no, I think that's like, camping, <laughs> yeah, I do agree. I think we should, we should be a part of what our strategies are is to have that two-tiered approach to allow us to be able to really build the relationships that we're that we're talking about here. I don't see anything wrong on any side of it. It's just more work. Yeah. Yeah. Just more work. I'm, I'm okay with that. But too. again, it's work that a lot of groups are already doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so coordinating and packaging it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's sorry, this is a late clarification, but the altercation, so it wasn't online, it was in person. Uh, comments were... that were being yelled at from out of moving cars, okay. kind of things, mm -hmm. not just online. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's not acceptable, but it's not as uncommon as one might expect. Mm -hmm. If you were here in 2000 and you were wearing your head wrapped in it. You were a Sikh. You still had horrible things put out at you. And I know people personally who had to stop wearing their their you know, <clears throat> true traditional headwear because of the awful comments that people were making while they were in public. And see, these are the things that I don't know about anybody else, but see, I never forget that kind of stuff. When, when people that I know get treated that way. You only need to do that once to know how it feels. Mm -hmm. You only need to have that happen once. And so. So yeah. I know we don't have to do action. I'm guessing that we have a continuing conversation of how could we build this yeah. existing infrastructure. I think so. And I like the idea that their database should be that. This might relate to Shandong down further, but as you develop and Gerald, I'm wondering about bystander training. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Great things to be able to say, you know. On a train, seeing somebody being harassed, you let them just be harassed, or you say, hey, over here, let's just, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot to be said for bystander training. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yes. 
it'd be nice to be able to say that we could take all of our next year's uh, plans and tie them together in one nice connection. connection. Yes. <laughs> James Burke would be proud. Yeah. You didn't like planning an event like 20 years? <laughs> ah, you mean occasionally, right? Yeah. Thank you. This has been really informative. Thank you. So it sounds like the full group is moving towards some kind of plan of action where it will be covering the full year. Yes. And it will be tangible activities as well as public awareness yes. and piggybacking on existing programs. Great. Well, let's move into the work group reports. Um, this item is for board discussion only. There's no staff presentation, so we'll go right to public comments. Is there anyone? I don't see a hand up for anything. So, um, all right. Well, um, why don't we just do the in order? Um, the first one is the domestic violence task force. Um, we recently met. We have lots of ideas. We're working on trying to tailor it down. Um, one tangible item that we're working on is we will be distributing the um, public awareness campaigns um, into the bathrooms in, thank you, um, in focusing on downtown Webster and downtown Park Street. Um, so that will be happening and we're trying to narrow and get sort of clear sense of how we want to focus, whether it be human trafficking, bullying. Um, and so our next steps are to sort of uh, distill more where we want the direction in the upcoming year. Am I summarizing that? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and now where are you gonna fit into the overall yes. year plan? <laughs> we do need to reschedule the next meeting that we have for that group because it's on MLK day. So uh, city has proposed one week, Monday, one eight at the same time, and that will go for your work as well. We'll have to discuss. Oh, okay. That is all. Um, I'll meet this together again. Hey. Well, I could show you the pre-show that I did earlier for the ACCYB program, but again, we just we had the. Poetry Slam at the beginning of the month. It was wonderful. It was a great time. Um, big thanks for everybody who came out and supported for us. Um, we had people coming out of the woodworks to do the little things that we never expect you're going to get. It was really wonderful to have them out, people that I never would have seen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Really sure. Uh, here, I'll send it over to you. You can. Drop it up there. I gave it to Yasmin, so you sh I can just share it with you, I guess. You can just. Oh, you have right? uh, Go for it. Thank you. It's A. Barley. Yes. There we go. And where do we go? Here is the. How how many people did you? Um, you mean the actual people doing poetry or the people who were in the audience? Oh. Uh, we probably had four, eight. So we had three, four student aides, and we had four adults who were doing it, including 
uh, one of the teachers or the, one of the groups that was actually coming in there. Um, and one of them, one of the adults who actually did spoken word was uh, Dr. Acker's daughter, Brianna. And I'm gonna just say it, you missed. Mm -hmm. She she's good. She was fire. I was, I was fire right there. I, I was impressed. And and the young folks really did a great job. I, I was so, so honored to be able to read the poems that the kids from the Montessori school did because they were too young to come out. So I was reading poems that the kids from six to 10 years old were doing it. And it was wonderful. They had such wonderful, wonderful outlooks on things. Looking through a child's eyes, we should all be so fortunate. Um, and then we had uh, Miss Yael Shai from over at the Alameda uh, Comedy Club. She does the uh, the Story Slam, uh, the one Thursday, uh, the last Thursday of every month. And wonderful, wonderful. She came in and did a part, to, uh, a, 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 a spoken word piece that she was working on. And uh, Kimmy, also the uh, poet laureate for Alameda, she did some uh, spoken word for really wonderful. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Yes, I, I can tell you. And and the audience we had over the whole period of time, we probably had about a dozen people who came in. And it was nice because I knew most of them. <laughs> I could wave at them and say it hot. And yes, so that this is my presentation that I gave to the ACCYB folks. Um, we had our program on Sunday, November 12th. Um, these are the folks, some of the folks that came out to be there with us in that last slide right there. Yep, last one right there. That's the one right there. So those are some of the award winners right there. Um, that actual uh, white painting right there is actually the inner ear it was designed by an artist who was actually there who painted it on site while we were there. So he's, he, he used the inner ear as an example of balance. He was talking about balance in the community. Cool. And the uh, young ladies who were the winners of the uh, uh, awards for the best poem. Yeah, that's the poet laureate right there, Miss Kimmy. And she had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for doing it. Oh, it's a pleasure. We'll be missing. I can't wait to do it next year. Yeah. I just sent you some more pictures if you want to just spark those through the There was a lot going on. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for coming out, Bernie. Thank you for spending some time. This is very nice. I appreciate it. Have we got the flyer through AUSD, which was great. So it was nice to see it come through. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, that's yeah. we were all sick, but um, oh, I was super, <laughs> I know, I feel like everyone was connected to AOS, probably sick, but it's, it, it, it's the beautiful part about this is everybody who was there said, we can't wait till you do it again so we can have a little more time and bring more people. Mm -hmm. That was the feeling that they gave us for doing the poetry slam. So again, and as I said, the one of the people who was having that issue that Dr. Acker was talking about, she was actually there. So the idea that she could see the community aspect without it having to be mm -hmm. anything else is, is exactly what this was supposed to be. The youth 
winner performed her piece yeah. um, at the ACCYF meeting this evening. Yes. So we have it on video and that will be put on the ACCYF website. Oh, cool. And yeah. then we have a picture of her text, which is, you know, she made a piece of artwork basically for the poem. And we're asking, um, we got permission to show that for season for nonviolence because oh, we'll have an art component. Yeah, very creative. The, the the kids were very creative, but they came up there. The young people just made me smile. All the way through. girls were from girls Inc. Yeah, well, it's great. It can be an annual thing now. So yeah. part of our connection. Yeah, exactly. We even had a young lady. Uh, we had three of the young kids came from Concord. They came from charter mm -hmm. school in Concord. I had a friend who's into who does poetry, and he connected me with them and they and and their teacher reached out to me and we had them come down it was marvelous to have them come down again building community not just here building community with everybody so that is our report do you have anything else no just with the library of the next definitely we should be a mixture do you want to say anything about the uh, plan for season of nonviolence word of the day? Sure. Uh, I've been working with the. Did you want to? No, I no. Okay, I've been working with the season of nonviolence program, and we've had a few meetings where we've gotten together and looked at the words that were going to be chosen and made a decision on the words of the day. Um, it's been a fun process. We actually got a chance to pick a famous people out of history who are in the nonviolent movement and give quotes from each of them for each day of the season of nonviolence from January to April. Um, really wonderful, wonderful words. And it was a community effort of people picking them out. We got to all sit and say, okay, well, who are we gonna be doing? I, I think some of the people we had, a lot of the people we have are Nobel Peace Prize winners. So there all were- not all the people are Nobel Prize winners. Nobel, Nobel Prize winners, yes, mm -hmm. yes, including this year's Nobel Prize Prize winner. Her her uh, words are actually going to be on one of the days of not season of nonviolence as well. So we're the we, uh, lady from Iran that's currently in prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's uh, she yes, she's speaking out, and people need to hear her. So good words to be had. Thank you. Season of nonviolence is coming up. I think that again dovetail everything into everything. Start with the season of nonviolence and work our way down the list of ways that we can keep this, this snowball moving. That, that's a good way to do it. We started. And right now it starts primarily in the schools or um community or well? It should be community at large, but they are asking for the uh for the word of the day to be spoken in various places like the schools. Each day, the word would be spoken, whether on a loudspeaker or an assembly, or in city council meeting, they'd have them at the city council meeting, the word of the day would be spoken at the city council meeting. Yeah. At all boards and commissions. Yeah. All boards. yeah. So it's a movement. And that was officially approved by ACCYF. It was a collective of individuals who came together to create them. Yeah. So that information will be distributed shortly. Yes. And thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I will mention that the season for nonviolence speech contest will occur on Saturday, March 16th. Last year we had two show board members act as judges, Diane and Gerald, 
You're welcome again to join us. And we're hopeful to have, we had seven schools participate last year. We're hopeful to have more schools participate this year. Yes. And Eric Fonstein, staff Eric Fonstein is working on getting funding from Kiwanis and Rotary. We've already gotten one positive with an increase in the donations so that we can offer a merit award to a senior who participates, which would be um, academic scholarship support. Thank you. Um, moving on to the outreach and community engagement um, work group. Uh, Sam, do you want to mention anything about the CNA presentations? I'm just asking if you want to. Uh, sure, we're continuing to do the presentations. We, I think since the last meeting, the only one we've done live library. the library. Yeah, and then he's the way up to it. And then we have, all right, I have to ask you to remind me. So we're doing Parks and Rec. Yes, so on January 11th, you guys are going to rest and February 14th, tentatively, because that's Valentine's Day. I don't know if that will be canceled, but you guys have planned um, with the commission on persons with disabilities. The rest of the Excellent. Okay, thank you. Um, and, and just a, a, a word on. Um, we, um, you know, we wrote the letter for um, age-friendly communities, and we followed up with a local aging disability action plan grant. But we did not receive the grant this time. But we'll just keep plugging away, though. You know, yeah, yeah. Thank and, you to board members Scott Means and President Scott Means and Vice President Sam Green for participating in that proposal. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate yeah. it. It's the last work. Yeah. That, I enjoy I really enjoy placing money for, for these types of things. So definitely yeah. we do it again. Yeah. You know. Did they say did you get any feedback on the we didn't it. It. We requested our score or she hasn't been able to see it yet. Thank you, Diana. No, but we want that. But keep your eye out though, because I know you these things like come through your emails, right? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. So like funding opportunities, you know. Send them our way. Um, and then, uh, just for discussion, the citywide service day, which is which is January fifteenth. MLK Day is January fifteenth. Yeah. Celebrate on January fifteenth, and traditionally that is a day of service in, in many parts of our nation. So the thought was that we would try to implement something in Alameda, and Sam is agreeing to spearhead that effort. So we're trying to figure it out. Um, we probably need to arrange a meeting because it's coming up soon. Yeah, I'm going to be in South America, so could you know when? When are you going to be? January 3rd. Very nice. But I think we should go for something very low bar. Yeah, you know, I've talked with um, Yasmin a little bit because they intersect with ACCYF. Okay. So thinking about like just having people walk along Main Street and clean up. Yeah, pick up the beach around the beach and clean up trash. Exactly. Something very low bar that people can be outside participating with. I have some school gardens that I think need some oh, cleanness. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. So like things like that, like yeah. a little right, little little, yeah. little projects. Yeah, we but next year. The next year we're gonna have a giant plan. We're gonna save the world. Yes. City on the hill, <laughs> flat hill. 
did volunteering stuff it was like we had like 38 projects that were available like that people could like tap into and they were huge and it was like so it's just we can do some of that work too figure out and have a resource list definitely something like and think because that will also be inauguration time yeah that the following year because i remember like they when obama was first elected i was in dc it's a great time for like if many people to get out the vote. I know. That's be part of your your, your effort. Yeah. We actually were approached by the League of Women Voters of Alameda because they had a youth division who are looking to get active in the community. Mm -hmm. So we have meetings with them I think next week. I'm not really sure about okay. But we're going to meet with them. And you're going to get them connected with your CCYF youth. So that can kind of bring in connections. Mm -hmm. They're interested in doing voter registration for low income households. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something we're to show that. Yeah. Definitely a need. Just roll it into census effort in a couple more days. Yes. Mm -hmm. well, speaking of the next agenda item. Yeah. I just want to tag in real quick as far as the service day. I know I've seen on the County parks, yeah, like Alameda Shoreline is listed as a project sometimes. So I might be good to connect with them. Yeah, the shoreline's good. Yeah. That was the only one we had. Was it? I think so. <laughs> like, I remember looking and being like, what? It's all good. I mean, we, we can, but I, you know. Cool. Stay um, so, uh, do we have any more discussion on this? Are we ready to move on to item 5D? I think so. This is going to be a discussion on the Social Service Human Relations Board fiscal year 2024-25 work plan. Um, this item is on tonight's agenda to get the board to start thinking about next year's work plan, which, according to the schedule outline in the staff report, we will need to approve in April. At our, sorry, at our January meeting, we will have time to review our plan uh, for this past year, identify three newer continued areas for us to focus on in 2024. Um, this item is just for board discussion only. There is no staff presentation. Do we have any public comment? Um, no comments via Zoom or email. Thank you. Um, now it's open for discussion and comments by board members. Um, I'm not oh, this is black too. I, I guess you know this it, is just like previewing. Yeah, but I mean we don't have anything to preview. I guess if anyone has anything to bring up, they'd like to. <laughs> discussion in five B will really help inform your work plan, and then uh, staff member Eric Fonsi, you comment. Yeah, just. Start thinking about like what buckets uh, that you want to um, save the world in. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, just, you know, including in the work plan, creating uh, continuing activities on the age front of the city, or is it, you know, the class violence? Is it, you know, continue to all means together, connectedness? But start thinking about general. Areas and then uh, we'll start from the area. Uh, see what type of 
broad areas you want to go to, then you will focus down exactly what what do we want to achieve with that dates? Like in the voters' lab, make sure that there's some things that are on the calendar that we plan to have. Okay. Notice you use the word we. Yeah. It's very sneaky. It's very sneaky. I'm using nothing. Every time I said that, it's like a little. I'm wondering with the road home, where is that at? And the reading under number two. So with this one, um, Cindy, we had talked about Sam and Scott from Community Assessment and that work with Close, which really hasn't closed yet. They have put a segue over to focusing their time on the road home. So we had four uh, buckets last year. Yeah. So there's is still very much an appetite for city staff and to want to produce some kind of product that does hold the city accountable for the road home, which is the five-year plan to end homelessness in the city. And I will say that that aligns with city council, city council's vision plan that they put together, their strategic plan. So I would be interested if, if you were interested in, in definitely keeping that as something moving forward to next year. And the five years were from when to when? Um, I think it was passed in 2022. 2021? Because this is fiscal year, basically fiscal year, right? So this is like J July twenty four to June twenty five. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a good one. Like to move it, just keep it going. Yeah, yeah. So we could like talk about it and agree on the list of indicators. Yeah. So should we move it to work group reports? Is it still current this fiscal year? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Sounds good. Yeah. Is there anything in the city's review plan that we should be aware of, or? I'll make sure that I get that information to review. Thank you. But is it 100 pages? <laughs> <laughs> is there I, a summary? <laughs> I have a suggestion. Yeah. Okay. After the December 19th, the um, the letter of our recommendations from the CANA will be in public record, correct? And so we could actually look at these recommendations to help guide us too. Oh, no. I motion, I know this is no motion needed, but as someone who's slowly losing steam as the hour progresses, I want to give this conversation more energy. And I think to because it will guide us, I'm thinking maybe we just percolate right now, besides deciding. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I just want coffee from the Right. So, so I guess we we'll, we'll table for the discussion until oh, January. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So, so in terms of, do, do we need to? Do we actually? So I'm just for clarity. So the the letter once it goes to the public record, we still have to if we're going to include it in like the packet for January, we have to have it as 
Um, how do we how do we introduce that? Or do we have an attachment to the agenda or? Yeah, sort of um, to include the CDBG needs statement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that will be approved uh, on the council meeting. And we can include it in the packet. And, uh, it was in January, the third Thursday of January. So, yeah, we'll have plenty of time. And then we have a more robust conversation about. And then the mercy Report on the report on this. January. So, kind of all the lines up. All the lines up. Okay. So, you'll hear about our semi annual report on the road home January. We talked about it with the Quincy. All right. Um, I hear the energy level going down. So, <laughs> no, it's not. I, I definitely feel that, you know, the, the hour's late. So, this. I know. Yeah. Like this. So um, well, this is this is sort of a softball one five e because it's the recommendation to approve the two thousand twenty four. Yes, I did. I, I actually got it right this time and asked before we started talking. So uh, sorry, I did that the previous one. So uh, five um, e is a uh, is a recommendation to approve the two thousand twenty four shrub meeting schedule. Any changes as necessary. This is really pretty straightforward with meeting dates for next year and the recommendations first to merge November and December, just like this year, and not to have a summer recess. Um, but before we talk, let's ask if there's any comments from the public. There are via Zoom. Okay, so now we can open this for discussion. Um, and, and this will require a vote at the end. So, um, does anyone have any conflicts for the proposed meeting dates that would inhibit public participation? Are there any concerns? I don't have concerns, but I would like to say for the purpose of moving forward that we institute that every December meeting, we have a social time that's agendized prior to the regular meeting. Yeah. Yes, that was very nice. Do we need to have that as part of our motion? Yeah. Well, there's no policy, concrete policy yet in the city. So for how to um, work, how to how to do this. So I think we should probably have a motion and, and add it. Yeah, either an extended right. meeting to include dinner or something. Yeah. To include a social dinner once a year. I move. <laughs> so, could we do it? I feel like December is just also really like, is there, could we do it in October? Does it have to be December or like use you know, some other time that's a little less? I would be hesitant to use it in October just because of the CDBG schedule. Or, or, or I, October's right. I don't know why I said October. It could be whatever. Yeah. We're just trying to get another free dinner really quickly. <laughs> Agenda. Instead of motion, 
Yes. Yes. I think it would be better if it's but it would not be so if we agendize the dinner as a social function, right. then we would not discuss any shrub related business, it would still be social, but we would have to post the dinner, right? And that's what's probably where we're moving toward. I mean, thank you very much for doing this, it was really wonderful. Whether it should be in some kind of motion, I believe, we, I believe we should do that. Okay. Because we don't know what's going to happen when moving forward. So I think we just should all be on the same page and officially pass it. That's great. And one motion, right? I'll check it. Bernie's like, yeah, we'll just leave the <laughs> <laughs> so, so the motion is to ac accept the schedule as, as written with the addition of a social dinner prior to a meeting where we will not discuss shrug business. That's my understanding of the motion. You put forward, okay. And it was seconded. Yeah. All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Um, so now this leads us to item six, which is staff communications. Um, 6A, staff report on the city of Alameda's housing and human services. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, President Scott Means and the members of the truck board. This is my homeless report, and I will make it brief. <laughs> uh, first up, on December 5th, on Tuesday evening, both um, war winter warming service contracts were approved unanimously on the consent calendar by council. The first one is for six to seven winter warming hotel rooms that are used to house individuals in our community who are medically fragile and seniors who cannot be in a congregate setting to stay indoors for the inclement weather. That, that contract will be held by Building Futures, so it's done it for past years. The second item that was passed was Christ Episcopal Church Warming Shelter. The shelter will open on Friday, December 15th, so next week. It will be done this year in cooperation with two other church groups in the city, and they will host on a rotating basis. The new provider this year is Episcopal Community Services. They're Michelle, you should be familiar, they're a San Francisco provider. We're really excited to have a new provider, social service provider, come and interact with us on our app. Village of Love, the Emergency Supportive Housing Program, has been doing very well. The first family that's housed there has moved out successfully, successfully to uh, permanent housing in Oakland. And we received referrals for a new family to move in at our last coordinated outreach team meeting. And a new family is scheduled to move in sometime in mid to the end of December. Village Love also received approval for a contract beginning October 1st to hire a mental health case manager. You may remember me reporting on that prior. They were able to identify someone, but unfortunately that person made the decision to take another job. So they're still searching, but we are, um, hopeful that we can find someone to put them in place. Um, they have also had a little bit of staff turnover for their mental, for their regular homeless outreach team, but they are now fully staffed Monday through Sunday, and we're just looking for that complement worker to fit in. Dignity Village, they are embarking on having a residence advocacy committee. We approached uh, President Scott Means to ask if he would be a community moderator for that group. 
They took applications, they're forming the group. We're hopeful that um, President Scott Means will push in, help them come up with some parameters on how they want to run the group, and then work with them on a regular ongoing basis once a month to package their concerns to present to uh, five key staff who is a service provider in place. And we're thankful to uh, President Scott Means for taking on that work. Yeah. Also in Dignity Village, we've been working to place a mental health worker. They have several needs, and we are hopeful to bring that online in cooperation with Alameda Family Services. Um, uh, Housing and Human Services is conducting a needs assessment. We are a new department. We want to figure out how to fill gaps in services. We'll be conducting two groups, a roundtable with a director level staff from organizations, and then another group of staff who are working on the ground with individuals to figure out what we need to do and how we need to move forward and what need, what services need to be funded. And last but not least is the point in time count. The methodology this year has changed since the last count. There will be a survey method. We do encourage all shrug board members and we'll send you this information to sign up if willing to work on January 25th from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. I will note that that is also the date of your next meeting, so you'll have to take it out. <laughs> um, the methodology this year will require the volunteers do survey individuals who are unsheltered that they find in the community. Currently, our team has blocked many hours to go out and map where we know individual known individuals are in camps. Um, and that will indicate that will be put into software that will then be uh, indicate to volunteers who sign up where those individuals are located. They'll be sent to those locations and then asked to complete surveys. I want to say thank you to Sam Green, who has extensive experience with Point in Time Counts, who is helping kind of acting in a role as a consultant to figure out how we can best use this methodology and do a quality count this year. Is, I was going to say, I'm calling you because I need, <laughs> I need a little bit of help. Call you first. So yeah, okay. call you first. Is that, I, I mean, I, I, I've done it before. It's a really, I actually think it's a really cool thing. I'd really encourage it. Um, I'm just trying to think of volunteers. Is the expectation that everyone would have to be, do the 5 to 10 a.m. shift, the full shift, or would we do it in, um, yeah, we're gonna need everybody for every possible minute. Yeah, it's not gonna be hard. I mean, like for the people that have to go to work, or yeah. Mm -hmm. this, yeah, I think with the shift in methodology, we're gonna have a hard time surveying. I mean, I don't know what the policy is on volunteers. We would just accept petition. I think that's gonna be difficult for us to manage and to coordinate. Because then you'd have to say Sam's gonna stop at right like six and you need to find her place. Right, or like something right. So it's like, like, or maybe it would be like buddies or somehow like figure out people to do because that's just yeah, might be the only way. Make their own team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... Cindy, did you have a question? I did, it went out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> 
late at night. Yeah, the challenge is you're never sure if, oh, if you're going to find people in a place or not. And if you don't, then you're in and out. And if you do, you're there for a long time. Right. Yeah. I, I did it last year. Okay. Yeah, that was my question. So when you say survey, you need like a, several questions. Right. Yeah, I mean, a little blab. First start. Oh, well, okay. This is something that right. I've yeah. never heard of. But I'll have to be physically yeah. speaking. I'd like to personalize content. Unless you can. Yeah. Rather than being the official account. Thank you. Right. And that is very important for you tonight. Thank you. Um, now this moves us to item seven, board communications, not agenda. And um, just, I do want to mention that I'll be presenting the CEBG needs assessment to the city council on, I know I said this already, but December 19th, third time's a charm. Um, do, does anyone else have any board communications for non-agenda items? Also on December 19, city staff will present to council the DEIB work that was done. So if you're there to see, also get to see that as well. And I have one other non-agenda item. I just wanted to recognize that Eric Ponsians will be his last meeting with us. Mm -hmm. Wish him a happy Hanukkah and off to him and old Delphi. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a non-toxic for animals. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been actually Oh, I did. And see, you're going to Thank you for everything, Eric. You're what do we do when we have questions about what happened? They're like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, they're gonna like, I'm gonna play like, Marcy, Marcy, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other? Um, so this brings us to item eight oral communications. Are there any oral communications from a member of the public on a topic not on the agenda? New items may be introduced by citizens under the item oral communications. We must deal with matters subject to the jurisdiction of the Social Service and Human Relations Board. Comments will be limited to three minutes. If speakers fail to follow these rules, they'll be warned. And if they continue to disregard the rules, their opportunity to speak will be ended. Please note the board cannot take action on any items on the agenda. So is there anyone who wants to speak? It doesn't look like it. All right. So what that means is we will be adjourning at... 8.57 p.m. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Scott. And Thank everyone you. has to take a cookie before you leave. Oh, I'm helping from the service. Yeah, I'll be back like that last, the first, that last. Oh, I knew it. Oh, I knew it.